Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. What is going on, boys and girls? Hope you are having a great week. It is, so it should be Tuesday when this episode airs. Well, let me see, what day exactly is it going to air? So it is, for you that are listening, if you listen when this episode premieres, Tuesday, August, look at me, August, June 21st. I'm all over the place today. I, it's, I, I don't know, man. I had a great time. It's Friday for me. It's actually Friday the uh 16th i was out fishing in grapevine lake um and it's been 100 degrees here in texas for the last week like every day every day and it really wore me out today like i am beat up by the sun like it's not that i'm sunburned or anything like that it's just like it just takes the life out of you when you are just going miles and miles and miles and just battling the heat it is I mean, it just takes a toll on you physically. So I am exhausted today. But nevertheless, I am here with Drew Gregory. He's my guest for this week. I do apologize. I'm hoping the audio comes great on this episode. I don't know how it's going to come out, but I'm hoping it's come out great. We're having technical difficulties with the mic, so I'm just using the mic from the computer. Hopefully, the sound quality is good enough. And if it's not, then I do apologize about that. But try to get it done today but anyways like i mentioned i got drew gregory dude gregory has been i mean he's been on a hot streak like historical hot streak i mean won the last two bassmaster kayak series and then the kbf trail one trail two and then the pro series were kind of works together so depending how you looked at it he either won three tournaments in a row or won five tournaments in a row depending how you want to look at it but regardless it is an amazing feat, and I am so proud to have Drew on the podcast. And we're going to be talking about something very interesting, because in these three tournaments, the both Bassmaster Kayak Series and the KBF, it's three different lakes, and he won with three different species, each one on a different lake. One was a largemouth bass, one was spotted bass, and one was smallmouth bass. And that, to me, speaks about the greatness that is Drew Gregory. He didn't win three tournaments on the same lake or the same body of water or even the same state. He won it with three different species on each lake. And I don't know if anybody has done that before, but that to me is an amazing accomplishment. Um, it's, it's Drew Gregory's world. We're just living in it, honestly. So without further ado, we're going to bring Drew Gregory. Before we go to Drew, though, uh, 
got the Waypoints commercial. And as always, thank you to my sponsor, Douglas Outdoors. Go to douglasoutdoors.com. Check out the full line of LRS, X-Matrix, and award-winning fly fishing rods. So go check them out. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com I'm all over the place. How are you doing, Drew? <laughs> man, I am, I'm doing good. That was quite the intro. <laughs> and I appreciate it, man. You're making me uh, kind of blush over here and get a little bit embarrassed. And But... uh. I guess that's what no. comes with the territory after, you know, going on a streak like that. Drew, it is – no, honestly, Drew, not because you're here, not because you're my guest. I am amazed at what you do. Like, and at the same time, I am so jealous. Like, I struggle just to keep – just to get one bass. And here you are, three different tournaments, three different species, and you won – all three, five, if you include the trail one and trail two, I mean, I'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, but regardless, I mean, a lot of tournaments, you know, somebody like the Hobie BOS, somebody has a big bass on day one and then, you know, day two, it's kind of like, and sometimes not, somebody doesn't even get the biggest bag on day one or day two. It's just averages out. But in your case, like in the KBA trail, for those that kind of want to put an asterisk to it, I wouldn't, but you got the big back on trail one, which was Saturday, and on trail two, which was Sunday. And then right. you also which fishing the pro series, which naturally you won. That that is amazing, man. How does it feel? Yeah, I mean, it's just still a little bit uh I mean, there's really not words because you just don't ever dream about you know, you kind of dream about winning one or winning an AOI or something, but you never imagine you're going to go three in a row and just not lose. This is a sport that you're competing against. Usually the odds are very stacked against you because you're one out of, you know, whether it's 60, 70 or 80, 90, hundred people, 200 people on maxed out Hobies or national championships, you know, out of three, four, five, six, 700 people at one point, right? You just, the odds aren't in your favor ever. So you don't dream of it. So I honestly, it's like, I don't know how to even feel. And I've had not, I mean, 
not I don't know, not too much time to really even do a lot of this these reflections because I've been hanging out with the family and mostly since yeah. I've been I do podcasts, I've been doing podcasts in the evening and recaps, but when I'm gone from the family that long, you know, they just want, you know, my kids and wife, you know, just time and getting stuff done around the house. So other than coming on here with you guys, I still am a little bit in shock and don't, don't know how to feel about it. I just, I obviously I don't want it to stop, but uh, it's going to that. I know this sport's humbling and, and I, I could end up, you know, just come it went up in the Hobie tournament. My next one, you know, I could be last place. I mean, you just don't, you just bottom of the field or whatever. You just never know what's going to happen on tournament day. So I'm not going to get too, uh, <laughs> too overconfident just cause I went on a little hot streak here. So what's your next tournament? You said Lake Winnipesaukee in uh, New Hampshire for the Hobie BOS. I've, I've kind of focused on be, you know, Bassmaster at the beginning of the year here. And I missed the first one at Lake Fork because uh, our daughter was a couple months old and didn't want to leave yeah. my wife when she was too young with a toddler and three, three dogs. So stayed home and, and I knew I had to fish all four of those given their angler of the year format. And I wanted to give it a shot. And if I fell out, then I would just, maybe just switch, change my schedule and veer a little bit more towards Hobie or KBF or something in, t- in place of those. But obviously I did pretty good at Harris chain seventh place. Then I won the next two. So now I need my last one at Pickwick to be good to, to hopefully have a chance to take that AOI. So, and then I um, did one Hobie in Santee Cooper. And I want to remind everyone I bombed on day two and I was like 22nd, you know, out of the full field day one and fell to 50 something. Cause I only had three fish on day two. So it happens to me too. It's not, it's not all, <laughs> it's not all glory guys. It's, I took a gamble and it, it did not pay off on day two. I should have went back to what I did on day one, but uh, I was going for, you know, top 10. It wasn't going for just good points. But anyway, now I'm going to focus on um, Hobies for the next like four in a row, basically. Well, I got a couple KBF still, but I'm focusing on the rest of the Hobies here. The last four, maybe the, just three, if I, if I do good on these three, but then I did this first KBF here. So that's how I ended up on Lake Champlain for KBF. Uh, I'd been there last year for the Hobie Bass Open Series where I got second. That, that was my first time there. And I love the lake. It was awesome. I mean, it, the whole fishery is incredible. And I said, I got to go back there. You know, told my wife, KBF's going there. It's a couple weeks before Hobie went there last year. So there's going to be a lot of similarities to what the fish are doing. And I wasn't going to miss it. So uh, I went there and, and just somehow pulled this off. But yeah, I went to Pasaki. I'm excited, man. That's that's guy doesn't have a lot of like Drew Gregory special, you know, backwaters and creeks and rivers flowing into it. So it's not really gonna work there, but but that's okay. I'll fish the lake and obviously it worked for me on Grand Lake, you know, won the Grand Lake Bassmaster on the lake. So I can do it. Um it's definitely not what I enjoy doing the most, but happy to still, you know, fish the lake and try to find some fish there. It's interesting because before the start of the season, we were all, uh, you know, some of the guys and girls from the PNF uh, panel and fin crowd. Um, Susie Roloff was there, Brian, you, I can't remember, it was Dan or Jimmy, um, and Jay. We were picking out, you know, how we were going to rank oh, yeah. the anglers for the Fantasy League, right? That's and right. you kind of mentioned, you know, we, we were going to put you in the highest price, but you mentioned yourself, well, I have a baby, you know, and I may not right. fish as much. So we kind of like lower <laughs> your stock a little bit. And now it seems like whoever got you got the steal of the years. They're playing the kayak fantasy game because, man, oh, man, you've been on a tear lately. Yeah, I mean, and I guess so. Yeah, thanks, man. Now, I will compliment the um, 
because I like to be positive on every trail. They all have their their flaws and quirks. We all know that. And, you know, it gets over. I think those topics get over discussed more than the positive. And I'll say the positive thing, yeah. man, about KBF was, I mean, I, we added it up and I believe I'm going to take home around a little over $10,000, maybe 10300 And I, you know, because I swept the whole thing, obviously, but I, I was in the bonus bucks. That was $1,000. I was in obviously both the trail series one and two and the pro series. So, you know, when you come, it's about 425 bucks or 450, something like that to enter all of it. When you do that and you sweep it, even if there's only, I think there was 88 people total on this event. You come away with, I mean, that's as much as you win at the Hobie BOS for against 200 people, $10,500. So, man, the payouts are are great. I mean, obviously you're you're paying buy-ins a little bit more because uh, the Hobie BOS is like what 260, 265, but um, I think, yeah. 265. And obviously, if it was another 200 bucks on there, it'd be a similar payout for 88 people. But you you get the point. It's it's pretty darn good to get that much money out of. Uh, that return. So kudos to them. And then Bassmaster, I'll, I'll compliment them. If you guys don't know this at Bassmaster kayak series events, they hand you your check. When you walk off the stage, you yeah. literally go in your car and mobile deposit it right then. It's amazing. So everybody's really kind of getting, getting their stride, all these tournament trails and they're, they're working on the little things that, that you know we've kind of nitpicked about online. They see it, they hear it. Um, but, it's getting better. It really is. And we're still, you know, in the infancy when it comes to this stuff. So just want to give them a shout out for what a great job they've been doing. And obviously Hobie, we all know what a great job they've been doing for their Bass Open Series as well. So I'm excited to get back to win- to the Hobie Bass Open Series in Winnipesaukee because I may be looking pretty darn good at AOI for KBF now with those couple finishes for the Trail Series at least. And uh, obviously for Bassmaster, but I'm I'm nowhere in Hobie right now, so I got a lot of catching up to do. So we'll see if I can. I just want to make the TOC, you know. Forget AY. I just want TOC like like everybody. That's your goal. Get in, get into all the championships, and if you can get into the hunt for the AOY title, cool. But in every one of these trails, I just want to be, you know, kind of at the championships where the biggest money is handed out. So that's my goals at the beginning of the year. But you're right, I didn't have a ton of events on the schedule. I mean, with the family, I've got you know, 13, 14, I know a lot of people fish, you know, mid mid twenties or whatever, but, but that's kind of what I'm always going to do. Just 12, 13, 14 max. Just, you know, that's a lot when you got a, a family and you're, you're taking off a week at a time. So plus ICAST and other things we got to go to during the year that take up another, another trip, you know, so little boy is starting to really, I mean, grow into his old, uh, I mean, into his own little Theo and he's, he's four years old and he just mimics everything I do. And he is so cool, so fun, and I just want to be around him as much as possible to continue to be such a good influence on him. So how can I continue to balance this? And and I don't know if I'll be able to even – honestly, even this year, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hit three KBF events. Um, now, if I've got two trail series, number one, so if I hit one more weekend, that's two more chances to get a good finish to be in the AOI running. But for the pro series AOI, I would need two more weekend. You know what I'm saying? Like two more events to get three. I may not even make it for those because St. Clair and Erie, I might have to fly right back from ICAST and go without any practice. And then I'd have to go to Winnipesaukee. It'd be the only other chance I could make it for a third. So I don't know, but that's okay. Family's more important anyway. So if I don't make it there, you know, I'll try to to put the efforts in the Hobie and and Bassmaster and maybe just the trail series. If I can get to one more weekend for KBF. 
Yeah, and in your case, like it's it's a lot different than like ninety percent of the people that fish those events because in your case, this is actually your livelihood, right? You mm-hmm. this is this is your nine to five kind of thing. You know, this is not your pastime. This is not you know your your weekend warrior kind of thing where you you know you're out of work. No, this is your work. This is the the, the way you you know put food right. on the table, fishing all this. Yeah. Tournament. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, yes and no. You're you're absolutely right. I I work in this industry, um, and I but I don't rely on. I mean, not the not checks, anymore. But not just, anymore. This, right? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I work in the industry, so I design the the kayaks for Crescent on our specialized fishing line. But 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 you are more correct than you even realize because we've not had this new Sholey kayak that I was fishing out of, which is kind of cool that the boat I designed is is still undefeated in tournaments yeah um, that's crazy uh, you know for the lewis smith Bassmaster, i i i got in it and fished out of that for the first time the production model and then uh before it was even released we released it like four days later three four days later so it was kind of cool people got to see the the catchboard recess and the tourney x pictures and there was a lot of buzz going on about that and all the features they could see just within that photo since the, the full boat really hasn't been released the walkthrough but um yeah, I mean, for the last couple of years with the way life has kind of worked out with transitioning, moving up to Ohio with the family and moving with Crescent. And then this is the way it was when I was with Jackson early on, too. You don't really make you don't really get any money from the companies until you have a product that they can start making money off of because they're just investing in so much you know, resources and income in the development of the whole thing, the mold, uh, all the, the R&D, everything. So they don't. So I kind of worked a deal out where I literally have been surviving off of tournament winnings and kayak fishing tournaments have given me a chance to get by and, and uh, bridge the gap for my family. It's been incredible. So another big shout out to all the tournament trails. I mean, again, we nitpick them, but I wouldn't have been able to get by with my family without this. And I get paid from sponsors as well. Uh, not all my sponsors, but, but I'd say most of them, uh, you know, something right The help a little something between the sponsors and the, the income from the tournaments, the winnings, I mean, God's just provided. I can't, I mean, I can't even explain how incredible it's been to be able to kind of like bridge that gap until now the boat's here. And then hopefully we can start making some money on all the hard work we've put into that, that cool Sholey kayak. So been pretty cool. Yeah, it is a sweet kayak. And there's a couple of talking points that I wanted to mention. Uh, first of all, yeah, I, I think you're right. We do nitpick. Now we wear different hats. For example, you're a tournament angler you're a uh, more so than a content creator i would think and you're also a designer as myself being a podcaster i view myself as more of a journalistic approach and that comes with nitpicking you know and yeah. you know we've talked about things that bassmaster can get better and uh kbf and even hobie bos because you know as great as it is there's still uh work to be done um in in the industry but Let's focus on the positive because I I think my listeners are tired of me nitpicking. What have you liked about the Bassmaster Kayak series um, so far? Yeah, yeah. No, I like the fact that it's the Bassmaster name, and it's not just the name it is, in which I grew up with, the magazine and all that, not the prestige of that, but that's cool for sure. But it's also, you know, look at their following on social media and look at their, their well, we don't see it, but I kind of know what it is, their website traffic. Okay. They're, they're constantly putting out articles and covering the events with their, their media coverage. When you get done with a tournament, like I said, you get your check right there. You get a phone, your phone rings from the writers from bassmaster.com. And they're like, Hey man, great job. Congrats. Let's get, let's get this story out there and get, 
get you, you know, the, the press that you deserve. And that's great for sponsors. So the Bassmaster Kayak Series is, man, I tell you, it's it's probably the best in terms of getting the most bang for your buck. If you're in this full time or try aspiring to be full time and get sponsorships, and it's not a knock on Hobie BOS and KBF because they have, dude, they are awesome, but they haven't been around as long as Bassmaster, you know, fast name. We all know that. That's not, you know, it's nothing, no fault of theirs. And their tournament trail obviously is kind of newer. So, you know, and this is more of a knock on a lot of the marketing directors out there. A lot of them do not know what KBF is or means if you win one of those or what, you know, that it was the founding kind of tournament organization for kayak fishing. They also don't know what Hobie BOS means and that really it's like the, the top talent in the sport is all there. And winning the AOI when yep. I won, you know, back in 2020, I mean, they are like, congratulations, great, that's cool. Or if you go to a new sponsor, they're like, well, what is that series or what's, you know, is that where the best anglers fit? I mean, you have to explain that to them. So with Bassmaster, if you can imagine, like nobody, nobody has never heard of that. Everybody knows that. Every marketing director out there that's making decisions knows that. So Bassmaster has that kind of going for them. And it means, which is crazy to me because, you know, you can win a tournament against, you know, potentially a smaller field or whatever that, you know, some of the turnouts, some of the, the scheduling, the, you know, Easter weekend on Grand Lake probably wasn't the, the best scheduling and around a couple other big events, which next year I know they're working on, they're going to have a much better schedule, a much better game plan because they're learning from their mistakes as well. But you, you see what I'm saying. It basically like you, when you get that, like look at Iconelli, he won against 40 something people. He was all over all these podcasts about my Bassmaster kayak trophy and nobody, nobody, you know, said, well, you know how many people did you beat or were any of the top anglers in the, in the kayak fishing in that tournament no and they they really shouldn't have i mean he he maxed out that fishery and caught fish as good as he could and he can't control how many people enter but you get yeah. my point i mean Bassmaster just has that kind of going for him and they and they uh, do a great job you know they've got some areas to improve on as well they really do i think when they get yeah. maybe they'll get add another event or two and they'll get some uh the scheduling a little bit more dialed in where you don't have some big gap and make, maybe make all two day tournaments, stuff like that. That'll kind of step it up a little bit. And, um, you know, if they can do a few little things like that and adjust a couple little things. I think it's going to be one of the best trails out there. So that's the thoughts on, on Bassmaster. I mean, Hey, by the way, or sorry. Speaking about like the coolest part was, like I said, getting that coverage, I'm on Bassmaster Radio's podcast. I'm yeah. on Ronnie. Ronnie Moore called me up. Hey, let's get you on my podcast. You're starting to get into a lot of these bigger. It starts to get us the the sport of kayak fishing into those bigger podcasts. You know what the ones I'm talking about that don't really have any yeah. kayak anglers on. In my opinion, I feel a little bit like they don't respect us because they don't ever they don't call us. They don't really seem to care, even though their podcast is supposed to be all about bass fishing and tournament fishing, not bass boat it, it just like the name bass does not stand for bass boat angler sportsman society it's you know the bass angler sportsman society it's about the fish so yep. I, my point is that when i go on these bigger podcasts and stuff i'm going to try to continue to encourage them like hey you guys need to to you know potentially have some more of these kite guys on because we know a lot about catching these fish and we're hitting the the length to weight ratio we're hitting the same weights if not bigger than yeah the boat tournaments 
and you're going to get a, a little bit different perspective and different juice uh, than a lot of the boat guys as well. So anyway, that's that's kind of my thoughts there. No, definitely, and I, I do. I do want to clarify something. I, I do think Mike Iconelli got uh, some, you know, some shade thrown on him. Not him yeah. at his win because right. he didn't win because he had kind of addressed it on KBN. Now, mind you, a lot of that comes from the KBN group page, which I'm a part of. I'm not dissing on anybody or anything like that, but that's truth be told. You know, that's usually where you get a lot of the, you know, the criticism, right. whether warranted or not. You know, if you want to call it trash talking, if you want to call it controversial criticism. There's a little bit of both in there. Yeah. Um, um, I do think, and I do defend I, Mike Iconelli because he mentioned this on the KBN interview. A win is a win. I mean, and and going back to your wins, if anybody's out there going to question, well, and I, here's the thing about it, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. If you're the Cleveland Browns, nobody hates you. Because you're not doing anything relevant. Right, right. If, if you're the New England Patriots, everybody outside of New England hates you because you're winning everything. Right. Kind of thing. So in your case, you know, you are winning. And there's always going to be yeah, haters or critics or naysayers, whatever you want to call it. My thoughts on anybody that wants to put an asterisk because, oh, well, it's Bassmaster, the, you know, attendance. First of all, that's not your problem. That's not your fault. You don't need to apologize. You paid your entry fees. You got there. You did your your job. You showed up. Second of all, when you look at the numbers, right, on that lake, it, you didn't win with a subpar number. Like on the Bassmaster Kayak Series, you know, both uh, both of those tournaments, your bag limit was on par with what that re- that lake holds. Like you right. were getting the full potential mm-hmm. out of each and every one of those three lakes that you fished. I don't care if it was 500 people on that lake. I personally don't think looking at the numbers, anybody was going to beat you that day. Right. I wish there was 500 people in the tournament. See, because <laughs> he, because he exactly. Cause even if I was second or, or third or whatever, I probably would have got you know more money. But um, like you said, that's a, that's exactly the point I've been kind of hitting when everyone says that. And it's not about like, this isn't even about me guys. This is just about anybody who wins tournaments in the future, whether it's, you know, 45 people or 400 people, this is the same, you know, conversation I'd be having, and I've always said about Iconelli and other people who have won some smaller events. I mean, you can't control who's showing up, and you know that's not your problem. You know, I look at my schedule based on the tournaments I want to fish, the lakes I want to go to, and the ones that line up where I can get enough, like I said, to hit at least a minimum to be able to qualify for the AOI runs, uh, which usually those championships go by those points. So that's kind of what I'm doing, um, and I know a little bit taken out of context. I have mentioned on my pack podcast before that Hobie went to Ufala. I don't like Ufala and Hobie went there and I was going to fish the off of KBF event on Potomac KBF at some point changed their schedule. So it moved that tournament on Potomac, unfortunately where it wasn't on the same weekend. So I didn't get to go fish it, but part of my plan and what I said was I'm going to, there's going to be a lot of that, a lot of the sticks in this country. The national sticks are going to be over there on Hobie Ufala and I'll get, I'll be over there on Potomac you know, to again, to, for my goal to try to get good AOI points. Now, I may not have 200 people to compete against, but I was just like, hey, it's an event that's closer to my house. It's new for me, which all things I want to do close to my house, fish new water. And uh, obviously, 
you know, if you do have a lot of the big hammers somewhere else, it doesn't hurt. You know, it doesn't hurt if you're trying to just get a high finish for some points. So, but anyway, I don't look at, I don't look at the standings. I honestly sign up for them as soon as I can. I'm usually one of the first to sign up this year. And then it is what it is. And I hope, like you said, 500 people show up. But uh, exactly what you said is correct. I actually pre-fished with that mindset of I look at the weights that are winning or the past weights during that time of the year, uh, bass boat tournaments or kayak tournaments if they've been there. So I know a number I got to hit, which helps me in pre-fishing because I know if I'm around the right fish or not. So in all these situations, you're right. I knew I maxed out the lake and I was proud of what I was able to do no matter if, if somebody beat me then I would have been like the first to shake their hand and be like, dude, you don't have no idea how much you just crushed it. Cause I know I crushed it. Like on grand Lake, for example, starting there had like 91 and a half inches. I think second place. I don't know if you got it pulled up, but it was like six or seven or eight inches. I had difference on the next person. And what I had weight equivalent was about 20 pounds and a 300 boat tournament at fish there the day that two days before uh, a championship Nichols, I believe, so 300 boats is 600, uh, two days, that's 600 bags. And only two of them had 20 pounds or more out of 600 bags. One of them was 21 at one day and 23. So I know I maxed out the lake and I wish there was more people in the tournament, but there wasn't. But again, Easter weekend, I think hit hard there. And some people had issues with the Grand Lakes rule about not being able yeah. to go more than hundred, whatever it is 150 yards offshore, which is crazy. Cause it was mid April and they were like all on the bank anyway. So why would you care if you, couldn't go further off. But anyway, so I feel good, man, because I know it's it's me versus the lake. It's not even about me and, and how many people are in the tournaments. I can't control that. So it's me versus the lake every time. On Lewis Smith, I knew it was going to be a little bit smaller bag, so 89.5 one. I believe it had 89.5, and, and that was kind of hitting, uh, you know, anywhere between 14, 15, 16, 17 pounds was winning their tournaments. So I'm pretty sure I had it on the, the upper end of that, you know, 15, 16 pounds probably. So, because those fish were post-spawn, they were skinnier. And so that's why 91 and a half, you say, well, dude, you just had, you said, you're saying 20 pounds was 91 and a half. That's a largemouth and pre-spawn. And these are long and skinny other than one large, uh, it was a largemouth in that tournament. They're uh, the more of the Alabama bass, which they were, they weren't weighing, you know, as much, but I bet you I still had like, you know, whatever, 17 pounds or something. So uh, I felt, I knew I had met pretty much, you know, 16, 17 pounds and maxed out the lake. So I did all I can do. And then uh, obviously in Champlain, same thing, a different species again, like you said, and then I maxed it out. I know I had 21, 20 and a half, 21 pounds the first day and around 21 and a half, 22 the second day. And the tournament, the Bass Nation, uh, New York Bass Nation had a tournament the same day and 19 and a half, 19 and a half won it. So I, I know I'm feeling, you know, I feel good because it's just me versus the lake. And then if I do my job, nothing else really matters. I mean, where, where I finished is just like where, where I happened to finish. I mean, so, and that's a great mentality, I think, and a great point. It's a lot of times we view it as you against web 200 people, whatever, and it's really not. It's really you against the lake. It's you against the potential of that lake. You you look you look at the numbers, mm -hmm. you see what the potential is. We say, okay, I need whether it's a one day tournament or a two day tournament, depending what it is. Yep. I need X amount to maximize the lake, and that's the number that I'm going with. And, and that's a great point, I, you know, and a lot of people don't get that. Um, and, and I think there, that's a difference between how you fish in a lot of ways, because now you're not looking at the leaderboard. You're just saying, right. this is the magic number. I need to either surpass it or come as close to it, regardless mm -hmm. of what happens at the end. And you approach 
that's going to be your approach. And that's, that's a great point. Now, when you look at, and I wanted really to touch on this, because I think this is what the most amazing part of it and what really speaks to your greatness. And I mentioned this on the intro. You won one lake with a largemouth bass, a, you know, the string of largemouth bass or a bag of largemouth bass, whatever you want to call it. Another one with a bag of mostly or if not all spotted bass and another mm-hmm. one with a uh, smallmouth bass. How were you able to do it? Like what's, you know, what's the difference in approach with each lake? Were, and what was your game plan? With, not on each lake, but what was the difference in game plan in, from one lake to another, assuming that you did target largemouth bass in, in each in this lake, you target largemouth spotted bass in this lake, and you targeted smallmouth bass in this lake. Like It wasn't like, oh, that's what I caught. You know, It really was what you targeted. How mm-hmm. did you – what's the difference between the game plans from one lake to the other? Well, you really don't know until you get there, but the, the, the game plan was certainly largemouth in Oklahoma because that was the, the there are some, some smallmouth in that lake and in those rivers and creeks there are, but it, I'm not going to get into the weeds, but it's a different sp- strain of smallmouth and it does not get, it's called the Neosho. It does not get as big as these Tennessee River, like the main Mississippi River, uh, you know, smallmouth, lake, the Great Lakes, all, all the, basically the rest of the country. Uh, so it's actually a different strain and people don't know that. And they go in those rivers and creeks, they, they start pre-fishing and they probably think, Dude, I'm going to, I'm going to catch them. Eventually if I keep catching smallmouth here, I'm going to catch a giant, but you're not, <laughs> you're, you're going to catch one that maybe maxes out at 17 inches. That'd be a good fish, but I'm talking, that's your biggest one. You can pray to the God. You even get one that's even that big. So compare that to the, the size that largemouth gave in Grand Lake. You're going to lose if that's what you're targeting, targeting. So the game plan was, I need largemouth. Uh, they have spotted bass there as well as northern strains that don't get big. So the game plan is where are the largemouth spawning? And I had to find the right spawning pocket where they were. And I found them um, and stayed there all day long. Had a plan B and plan C for sure to go back on. Fortunately for me, I never had to go into that plan B or C. Then move on to the Alabama, like you're saying, and the, the Alabama spotted bass or technically Alabama bass is what they are now, but we still call them spotted bass. So for the sake of this podcast, I can, I'm going to call them Alabama spotted bass. But anyway, they, um, they are, you know, that, that one was a little bit different because sometimes those, those large mouth, uh, it was like post spawn there. Sometimes those large mouth and, and big Alabama spots will intermingle in the same areas. And where I was, I happened to catch that one 19 and a quarter inch large mouth that, that was on the stringer, but all the rest of them were the Alabama bass. And I, you know, the game plan was just, and that one was just get a, you know, I found a couple creeks feeding into it that after the spawn, okay, you're going to have fish do two things. Go, okay, because think about it. Like we're, you know, we're not uh, cold-blooded creatures like they are or whatever, you know. So, but if you can imagine, we just hit summertime, right? Like how good does it feel to go out on a windy day or a windy evening, right? When you got some wind hitting you compared to, when there's no wind, when that sun's hitting you, right? feels good, doesn't it? Okay. And it's a little cooler and it just feels nice. It's like air conditioning. There's two ways a fish can get that. And I, again, we're different blooded creatures. So, but they're even more so this way. Like they're even more so. And I feel like they're going to go into current, moving water and current to get 
a, what feels like an air conditioner on them. It feels good and it's got a lot more oxygen and it's flowing and it just it's exactly like if you turn a fan on or go out in a windy windy day and it just feels so much better than you know being in that still stagnant heat right if you're there and there's no wind oh my lord is it not good right but the other way they can accomplish that is to go deeper if you've ever jumped in off a cliff in a lake you realize how it feels cooler when you go down that first like 10 foot or whatever it is there's there's a transition and there's still good oxygen down there as well so you get my point i had to target i had to do one of those two things and with me being a river creek guy it was pretty obvious what i was going to do go to a creek and look for the fish that have moved up there to find some of that cool water. Now it's a challenge because you got to catch the alphas out of every spot. There is one because it's skinny water. And if you don't, if somebody else is there, you don't catch that alpha, you're, you're done for. And I just happened to, and at one thirty, it, which we haven't really talked about that tournament, but at one thirty, I had like 75 inches. I had nothing. I'd missed a couple fish, caught a bunch of small ones, but nothing good. And I replaced my entire stringer from one thirty to two ten in that tournament and lines out was two thirty, So it was a magical, magical, like little 40 minutes. So that was the game plan is to go where the moving water was with their air conditioning on their bodies and they feel better. And the few that went that direction after the spawn, instead of out deep the majority, you know, probably go. And it worked. It just happened to work out. I caught them and executed. And then uh, the different game plan on, on uh, up on Champlain for the smallies was simply it was it was kind of similar, but I think they were they utilized certain zones of the rivers to spawn, and they kind of congregate there. I you know for my shoal bass history, again talking about the shoaly in Georgia, they all moved this a lot of the biggest shoal complexes in the in the river to spawn all together, and I make this analogy. It's like you know where college kids all know on a Thursday Friday night where they're all going to go the right the right the street with all the clubs and the bars, you know, they all just, they all know, Hey, it's Thursday night. Here we go. They know it's, you know, it's up there. It's June, early June, early, mid June. It's time. The water's getting the right temperature. So they moved to the certain zones. So I knew I was going to target smallmouth and rivers because I felt like smallmouth were going to be the species that was going to win Champlain, even though you can catch big largemouth there, but, and they get pretty long too. You could win it with largemouth, but I just felt like smallies were going to be, a little bit longer if you had to give like a little bit of an edge so i knew smallies and rivers looking for the areas they were going to spawn about to spawn maybe spawning and um last year i caught some that were spawning actually but this year i think they were i actually don't know if they were pre or post quite frankly it was a little bit of a mixed bag maybe but i never saw any on bed but i think they were in that zone for that region so that was the game plan uh on all of them and then it's just crazy that it that it worked and it all came together and that I was fortunate enough to execute and and you know I, I miss fish like everybody miss plenty of fish but I had enough bites to where obviously I was able to just get the job done um, on a couple of those tournaments and, you know Grand Lake was definitely won by a good margin but you know barely won in, on Lewis Smith by ha- about a half an inch and then quarter of an inch both days on uh, KBF but then again like it was like four inches over the the two days together. That is amazing. I'm still in awe of the knowledge that you're dropping right now because it's, you know, and and again, it's two things. You can tell the now for those that maybe not under didn't understand what you said when you mean or didn't understand what when you said you fish the lake, you don't fish the competition. You know, you fish. Right. That's exactly what it is. You don't. You're not looking to beat a hundred and whatever you, you know, uh, 
your competitor is is putting out mm-hmm. there. You're you you targeted a species that you think is going to be the predominant species that's going to win the bag, and then you execute a plan. And that I mean, first of all, that doesn't happen overnight. Like nobody, not a lot of people, other than you and maybe a few others, can just go out there and say, okay. I'm going to go for smallmouth bass because of this, you know, and have an actual, not an educated guess, but an actual data knowledge, firsthand knowledge of what the bass are doing, which is the predominant, you know, kind of like the alpha or the apex predator in that lake. And where can I find him at what, at what stage in their cycle, you know, where it's post-spawn, spawning, or pre-spawn. It's, I mean, it's, I don't know how you can teach that. Like, that that just comes with knowledge and practice. Time, man. How how have you able to acquire that knowledge, honestly? That's a really good question. And I always joke around with people and say, it's honestly because my wife never showed up into my life until I was 35 years old. And I was fishing (laughs) – Fishing, uh, you know, I got real serious about fishing again. Probably, I mean, I had a bass boat in college. I've always fished all my life, you know, rivers and creeks growing up with my parents. Uh, and then my dad and I converted a 14-foot John boat into a little mini bass boat with a deck on it, and we'd fish smaller lakes. And I worked at Bass Pro Shops, the second one that ever opened in uh, Atlanta in, in uh, 97, 98. I was like a senior in high school. And then uh, I learned a lot there from those guys. That stepped up my game a lot. When you work behind the real counter and you you talk fishing every day, you know, for a whole year before I went off to college, kind of took a year off. Uh, you learn a lot. So then uh, got pretty serious about it again in kayak fish. Started kayak fishing about two thousand four, and that's where I'm saying like I had a long time until. I met my wife and was just really hardcore fishing all these rivers. Was addicted to shoal bass in Georgia for a long time and it just took just time on the water, you know, and experience just learning. It, it, it's like if you make a cast out in the middle on a, a current seam or a, a something in, in the water, a boil that the first time you get bit there, you're like, okay. And then you've, you've learned something, you know, and now you keep adding that. And that's just, it's, you know, again, it's not like every time you see something in the middle of the river, you're going to get a fish, but there's current seams and things that you don't see that I now see. And I, I, consider it i call it sort of reading the matrix of the river i just sort of like understand it now where they're going to be and and when and where so it took a long time and uh i'm actually going to do some more i've done this some uh some lessons some you know guided lessons sure I'll, i'll still do some of that maybe in the future but more i'm talking like virtual lessons in the winter when there's not a lot going on and we got the cold you know long ohio winter i'm going to definitely uh do some of those so i can help teach some people and maybe we'll have like some classes where five, you know, five people at a time we get on together and I teach some of the strategies and stuff that I'm, I'm talking about. I've learned over the years and I, you know, I didn't really feel good for a while. I mean, I didn't just personally, I was like, man, it's weird. Like doing that and taking someone's money for stuff that like, I just, it's just to me, I've just never learned it to, to make any profit off on it when you're just a kid learning it, just fishing, you know, when you're younger, but a buddy of mine uh, guides in the Florida Keys Randy Morrow, Lower Keys Kayak Fishing. And I went down there many trips together uh, when I was with, because he was on the Jackson team for for a while. And I got him on our team and we developed some boats that were really good for fishing down in, in the Keys. 
And when that guy, he lived there his whole life, pretty much. I think his whole life he's been fishing. When that guy taught me all the little small things about permit and redfish, or well, some redfish down there, but more permit, bonefish, tarpon, snook, a, a few that get kind of that that far down. When he taught us what do you how to catch those fish, because you got the Gulf and the Atlantic coming together through these islands. You got a high tide and low tide and different different oceans, but yet they're not tiding actually a bank, a solid bank. They're now flowing through these islands together. It's weird. Like, how can this one be high and this be low? Because this, and, and he's like, well, let me explain how all that works and what the fish do. And we learned on, it took us so many trips, but not that many trips compared to what, think about how long it took him. I'm talking 20 plus years of fishing down there, having to go out and learn the hard way, take his licks, learn the hard way, spend all the money, all the time on the baits, all the money to gain that knowledge that he has now. And we learned it in, you know, a, a, probably a couple of weeks worth of trips from him. And we, I could go down there and, and explain where to go when and why we're moving now and getting out and going to a different spot based on the sun positioning and the tide and everything all because he taught us that, that he took, and that's kind of, you know, took 20, 30 years to learn. That's kind of where now I'm like, Oh my Lord, I can save people so much time and so much money. And, and it really, it's not going to be that much for, for each of them compared to what they would spend. It's like a, a penny, you know what I mean? Compared to what they would spend uh, taking the time that I, you know, all the time, hours and money spent to learn what I learned about the bass, right? Especially river um, and creek bass, lake bass too, but specialize obviously in the moving water and backwaters and stuff. So I'm going to do some, some uh, lessons like that, but that's pretty much it, man. I was just young, single, and I became friends with a lot of other talented anglers and biologists. So I love to look at things from a biologist perspective, fisheries biologist. Dr. Steve Sammons is a good friend of mine, Dr. Andrew Taylor. Um, I got just a few other uh, biologists that I, uh, the guys at Clemson, those biologists work with over there, Brandon Peoples. I, and every time you get on a trip with a biologist and you talk to them, oh man, and Hooked on Wild Waters episodes, we had a lot of them on as guest hosts. I mean, guest uh, like side stories. It's amazing the stuff that just you just start soaking it up, you know. So that's kind of to explain it. That's kind of you know what it comes down to. And I'm obsessed with it because this is a sport like golf, where you can never figure it out fully and learn it. You will never. You'll always be. Your brain will always be like intrigued and have something to kind of figure out. You can never just. I got it. Now I'm I'm bored. You're never gonna get that way, ever. So between all those things, I guess that's the best answer. And how I've somehow kind of know all the stuff i know now yeah it's definitely there's no fast track i mean you can you can lessen the learning curve you know of course right. you know with, with technology now and and you know trying to have conversations with the right people but there's definitely no fast track when, when time on the water time on the water you know you're not gonna you're not gonna gain drew gregory's knowledge or cody milton for that matter or guillermo or christian fisher in one day out of the water, you know, it takes years, it takes mm -hmm. a lot of times in uh, a lot of dedication. The more time you spend research, the more time on the water helps out, but also in your free time, the more time you spend, you know, watching and not just watching YouTube or, you know, watching the right ones, the ones that are really going to teach you and not, you know, a bunch of other stuff that's out there. That's really kind of redundant. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 I'm definitely, if whenever you're going to do those, 
whenever you start teaching that, just please let me know. Yeah. I'll, I'll open up my checkbook. I, I, I'll, I'll be, I'll be first one on the list if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, buddy, man. No problem, man. Happy to do it. You know, the, the cool thing about all this is, and I know we talked about this before we started recording, uh, we want to touch on it is the other little component to all this is, you know, when I'm out doing the river bass and hooked on wild waters, you know, I never looked at, I never looked at those fishing trips or just fun fishing. I just never looked at them as, you know, how am I maximizing this fishery? It's just kind of like, this is the float I'm doing and let's, let's catch fish on it and have fun, whatever, whatever happens, it happens. This is a whole nother puzzle and a whole nother game. And I feel like that's where I'm sort of coming into my own in terms of understanding how di a little bit different this is because you still need to know where they are and all that stuff. But now it's about, you know, time. And, and trust me, I never did any sort of map study and prep work for when I'm out, you know, running the river bass and tournament trail, traveling the country, all these different places, which is a big part of, of I feel like why I've, I'm successful in the, all the different species all over the country, because before I got into tournaments, you know, more full time in the last two and a half years, you know, between hooked on wild water show and that running that river bass and trail, I was traveling all over fishing all different places, catching all these different species. And I feel comfortable anywhere for any species. I kind of know what they do and, and how they act, but now it's a whole nother game, whole nother puzzle, which is cool. It's kind of like now I'm map studying, like just grinding over this whole body of water. It's not like just one float we're going to do this day because we're filming in this, this river or whatever. No, now I got all of it at my disposal and I got to try to maximize a number that that lake can put out. Like we talked about, and that's a whole different game. And I'm just sort of now kind of perfecting that strategy. And a lot of people know me for sure as fishing small waters and backwaters, but you can't get locked in because you got to go where the winning fish are, where it's going to happen. You can't lock us, which is why I ended up on the lake for a lot of my greatest, you know, finishes, whether it was in grand Lake or second to Mike Elsie in 2019 in the, kbf nc out of like 500 people like on, on the lake so you got to go first of all you got to know when to go where and why and, and when to just know okay it's not going to work in the backwater skinny water stuff and then that's that's a whole skill set right there but now it's also about well people know me as a guy i think we're starting to get i'm starting to get known as a guy who moves during the tournament or or at least isn't afraid to move with my Tacoma, I crank up the outboard Tacoma. Like I joke around and say, throw the kayak back in there and, and move a lot of people. And again, if I can find a spot where the winning fish are just right there, or there's a spot where I can catch big ones and then paddle or, or motor or pedal, whatever you do in your tournament to another spot right there without re you know, taking out and launching again, obviously that's the greatest. That's the best. Cause then you don't lose any time casting or you lose minimal time, but I'm not afraid to, take the kayak out, drive an hour and, and 15 minutes like I did on Champlain and lose all that time because I know where I'm going and I'm confident where I'm going is quality. And when I get there, it's not going to take long to catch them. It's no different than a Bassmaster guy making a long run, a 30, 45 minute or hour further run just to go hit like one spot or one area because he feels like, but he only does that because he's confident that he has caught them in there and pre-fishing or he knows why they're there. And I'm just not afraid to kind of like do that now. I'm coming into my own in terms of my experience on these, but now I'm getting a little bit of history in some of these fisheries. I'm, although I'd never fished, you know, Lewis Smith or, or Grand, but Champlain I had. So, you know, getting a little bit of history uh, and that's kind of helping. And honestly, man, it's not like, it's obviously a shock that this happened, but last year 
you know, and the, the Hobie BOS had a second, third, and a fourth, and I had a third and a fifth and some other uh, top five finishes on, I mean, on KBF. I mean, I was fifth in AOI and KBF heading into the NC, and I was second in Hobie. And there was no AOI in Bassmaster. I'd fished one, got like seventh, cast a check in it. But so it's really not like that. It's like all of a sudden it just came on the scene. I think it, it gets forgotten a little bit because my motor blew up on the second day of the um, KBFNC and I, and I didn't get a chance to go where I was going and I was in like fourth place or something into that and it dropped me down for the trail series. That was the final day and ended up third, 28th or 29th out of 130, which is still a good finish, but it kind of like I knew I could have gotten the top five or top 10 and then, and then our little girl came and I didn't get a chance to defend the AOI over there as I was second heading into the Hobie TOC. So it's not like, I feel like sometimes we need to appreciate and respect the, um, you know, a lot of the, which you guys are good about having guys that aren't the winners always on second, third, fourth, fifth. I mean, that's, and that consistency, that's not easy. And then if you keep doing that long enough, you're going to get your, your first, it just obviously happened to, to be three in a row for me, which is kind of crazy, but anyway, I'm kind of rambling now, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, that was, it's just a different puzzle now that we're working, that I'm working on figuring out and I've got it kind of dialed in and, you know, hopefully it can uh, just somehow keep going. You've definitely got to figure it out. And if you haven't, I don't know who has, when you look at, um, at some of the big names out there, you know, some of them kind of jump off the page, Cody Milton, Guillermo Gonzalez, Christine Fisher's have a great season. Um, who do you think is on par with, with you? Like, now, and, and let's be, I, I don't have to be humble for you. Like, I, in my <laughs> mind, I think, you know, Guillermo Gonzalez has a great season um, last year. One of the best seasons anybody has ever had. Oh, yeah. Um, you've had great seasons for the last few years. Cody Milton, I can say the same thing. Um, Christine Fisher always uh, as well. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning. The 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. In my mind, I see you, maybe Cody Milton along with you. Who do you think is the best angler outside of you out there? Yeah, I mean, that's you're hitting a lot of the names that I, I really feel are, are kind of at the top of the sport right now. And I know this is always a hard conversation because we're going to leave somebody out. And then that's that's fine. It's yeah. it's I've been left out of uh, I listen. I love the sport so much. I'm a fan. I listen to you know pretty much all the podcasts, listen to a lot of your podcasts, listen to you know, all of them that are out there on these, these drives, I have to go to all these events. So when my name is not said and it's in the, and I get it, I'm not full time in this, the way that other guys are and they're, they have more chances. So you probably, we, we see their names a little bit more. Um, but which is to me is probably what I'm even more proud of the fact that I'm doing, doing what I'm able to do with less events, less attempts. But anyway, that's, um, 
I get motivated though. When I don't hear my name as one of the top, I'm like, man, all right. That, you know, what am I have to do? I'm going to just wait, just wait, you know, and it motivates me and it's internal. It's not, there's never any like animosity towards any angler at all. I love, I love Cody and Guillermo and Christine and Russ and Jody and all the, all the ones who, you know, there's some good sticks. Eric Siddiqui has been on a tear this year. Justin Largen on the Bassmaster side. People don't realize how good this guy is. He's 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 on the top and he's fishing Hobies too. You'll see him up top. He's been fishing KBFs. You'll see him up top. He's in the lead in the Bassmaster AOI. I mean, there's a lot of good sticks, which by the way, real quick before I finish up with that, when people will discredit or, or want to put an asterisk on how many people are at a tournament, that's actually the a pretty big insult to the the anglers that were in that tournament. Not as much, yep. you know, the guy who won sometimes. That's actually a little bit of a a, a cut down and you can look at the the names that are in even these tournaments even though there's not because think about it if you're fish putting up 200 the most possible for kayak fishing tournaments you're putting up 260 or whatever it is or for kbf the whole weekend 500 almost 500 dollars you're either you know you're either confident you're going to do good because you are either local and you know that fishery or you're a national guy and if you're traveling it's not even the, the, what you're putting up for the purse. I mean, the uh, entry fee it's think about the Airbnb, the hotels, the gas you're, if someone is confident enough to spend over a thousand dollars or 1200 or $1,500 to go fish that tournament, they're not playing around, dude. They have some idea and skill set and talent to because otherwise they'd just be fishing local and regional stuff. They are good anglers. So I don't like when people, you almost want to discredit anybody that wins with a lower field because they're still beating a lot of, talented and competent anglers who clearly have you know ideas that they know a little bit about that fishery or else they wouldn't be putting up all that money to do it but anyway so the big the big names let's get back to that um i really feel like russ is is still like one of the best out there man yeah you know i think maybe he fishes a lot of times a little bit like i do cody does too uh to some degree um guillermo i run into him him and christine actually run into them quite a bit uh pre-fishing because they're they're versatile they they kind of do a little bit of everything, you know, you'll, they'll win. And, you know, look at, look at Guillermo. He won several events in a row. He won a Hobie in the yep. lake. I think it was actually, he might've been Pickwick in the fall. And then he went straight to win the national championship right after that. Right. And he, uh, he was in the lake again, uh, for what I know, but then he went, I think he might've won the first trail event in Florida after that too. He might've yep. done like, with, no, with well. no pre-fishing, with no pre-fishing and, not in his kayak. He was he was not in his Diablo kayak. He was in his right. in a Lynx, I think it was. So yeah, it wasn't maybe. even his kayak. I don't think it right. was even his, his equipment. And he's yeah, he's just got the instinct. Yeah. He's just got the instincts too, because he's, he's been got doing the this. id factor. Yeah. He does. So those guys are all have it between Cody and and honestly, man, if you put a lot of these top guys up there with, with some of these the bass boat guys, I wouldn't be shocked that we kind of hold our own against them. I mean, because we're also, again, I'm looking at the weights in comparison to what the Elite Series guys are catching on those lakes at the, these times of the year, and I'm hitting the same stuff they are. So doing it a little bit different way. But um, And that's the beauty of the sport, too. Again, I'm not trying to get off on anything, but it's worth mentioning that you know I'm not some sort of spokesperson for – I mean, if you want to fish rivers and creeks and you get inspired by what I do, I think that's awesome. You know, it's it's great. You're probably going to look into the you know getting the Shoaly kayak from Crescent since it's, it's really designed – be very good for that. And I'm excited about that. Obviously I want to see a lot of people in that boat, having fun, making memories, catching fish, but uh, I don't want people to get the wrong idea that it's, uh, you know, 
there's a lot of hard work and you don't just stumble on some wild remote place and just start throwing twenties on the board. It's, it's, you got to know which, cause most lakes have a lot of feeders and a lot of backwaters, a lot of feeder trips. Right. So it's not that easy, but what I think is the coolest part of our sport Armando that I think will make us stand out and make us so unique. And so just cool to follow. And it already is now, but when this is on TV is the fact that you can win a tournament. I mean, if you go back and look at the data, I'm pretty sure it's 33, 33 and 33. And what I mean is percent and it's most tournaments are either one, you know, 33% of them are one on the lake offshore. Um, 33. And what I mean by offshore is just, you're not casting to the bank. 33% of them are one on the bank, you know, uh, on the lake banks. And then about 33% of them are probably one in the main river or the, or the, some of the trips, right? It's pretty darn equal. And you're like, Oh really? Yeah. I mean like offshore. Yeah. You go to Lake Erie and St. Clair and places like that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ledge tournaments, things like that. There's a lot of tournaments won that way. And then, I mean, it's just pretty even wouldn't you say, I mean, I, I think KBF has told said that the data actually bears that out. It's pretty dead even. So that's, what's going to make it unique. So if you like what my style and, and you like keeping it simple, just a paddle, I didn't have any electronics paddle and just a, a kayak and, and a few rods I had four or five out there with me. Uh, and then just a few tackle boxes, keeping it simple and lightweight. You know, I, I encourage you to give a shot. It's, it's a lot of fun, but it, there's a lot of stress that comes into it, you know, because you, if you don't catch the alphas that are in those areas, if it is small, skinny, skinny water, uh, or if somebody else shows up or if it floods on a, the Friday night before the tournament or things like that, then you are really, you're, you're not going to have any shot at winning. Everything's got to line up perfect. So it's not easy. No, definitely. It's not, it's not as simple as some people try to make it out. Like, you know, oh, well, yeah. he's fishing, you know, backwaters. It's just, backwaters is the ones that are get either, the first ones that are get affected by any weather, changes in weather, and the ones that are going to affect, affected the most. So anything that happens yeah. like rain, you know, rain's going to flood, you know, the, the, the rivers and the backwaters first. Whenever mm -hmm. there's, you know, pulling water out of the lake, they're the ones that are going to be, you know, you can feel the, you know, the the bass really feel like the water right. dropping and then causing it to move more than mainly. So mm -hmm. I don't think you can, you know, just say, well, you know, it's 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 not pressured bass or it's backwater. So fishing is simpler, you know, not not really. Uh, I don't think it is. Personally, I, I think right. um, it takes a lot of studying and it takes a lot of preparation to figure out which right know, which, which 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 creek is the one that's gonna might produce and mm -hmm. how is it going to be affected by the ever-changing weather and you know and the water levels whether it's going yeah. up or going down so it absolutely it, yeah in, in in one sense it could be easier but in the other sense it's only easier if you do the research mm -hmm. and you have the knowledge to anticipate how the weather is going to affect it. It's not like, yeah. oh, Drew Gregory does this. I'll just pull a Drew Gregory <laughs> and and win. Yeah. Not that easy, dude. It's just, it's not that it's I not. show up on Drew Gregory's spot where he showed up last year and I'm going to catch, you know, a hundred. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not, it's so, not easy at all. The uh, You're right. It's not. And the, the thing I was going to say too, is a lot of the, the, when you get into skinny water, like, you know, Creek creeks, I mean, the bigger the ocean, the bigger the fish that that's true. I mean, you're just not going to catch 
usually there's a lot of small fish that you know that's like a nursery the, the smaller and smaller at some point a creek is too small for a bass right but now let's get to a size creek that holds bass the very the smallest it could possibly be there's not going to be three and four pounders in there there's going to be dinks it's a nursery and then you get to a little bit bigger and then you know of course they continue to get that size potential gets bigger with the bigger tributary so it's you know, you can, you can go in there, but if you're going to try that skinny, skinny water, then you're competing against fish that are inferior in length to the ones on the lake that the other guys are having to fish from. And they potentially are finding schools of 30, 50, 10 that you'll never have. And, and that's what's challenging about it. But um, I tell you what, man, it's, it is a lot of fun. And a few names, because I want to get more names out there because I want to try to promote other anglers. But I got to put, you know, Bailey Eigbert is on fire right now. He's won. Uh, he went from a national Definitely. win uh, on in Hobie on Eufaula to cashing another check on Chick to winning a, a local, two locals now in between there, and then casting a check in another one. I mean, he's on fire. Uh, and then Eric Siddiqui's been on fire. That guy knows how to find him in a lake the way that I know yep. how to find him in rivers and creeks. He just knows where to go. I mean, he, he got the wind and the weather messed him up on the, at Champlain, but his first cast, the first spot was a 20 entry posted on Instagram on Champlain, he was on the right fish that could have won. He just couldn't get to his spot uh, and stay on it because of the wind. And then another couple names I'll throw out there, uh, the tandem duo of Ewing and Nolan, My Nolan Minor. Yes. I know that they haven't been around. Like Ewing last year showed what he could do. And, again, he, he fell because in the, the TOC, I think he didn't – I wasn't there, but I remember I think he maybe got four fish one day, didn't get five. But it's like yeah. you can't discredit a guy's whole year because of one – I mean, I won AOI because Russ and Jody didn't get uh, five both days of that TOC. But, man, that guy can fish. I mean, Ewing is a stick, and and we're seeing that now. He's cashing a lot of checks, making another run this year. Um, and then his brother is, I mean, older and even, you know, more experienced, you could you could argue, coming off the Bassmaster Opens, he missed the Elite Series by a point. So, I mean, great guy and really knows how to catch him. I'll, I'll throw those names in there as some of the top of the sport that maybe people haven't really been – thinking about as much jordan marshall won aoy yeah, in the hobby bos yep. I, I, and i and i sometimes feel bad because we can't forgot to mention his name but yeah jordan marshall he's is a another great angler yeah he's, he's having a great year he is he really is man and that's a, i'm glad you brought him up because he's he does a lot of the river stuff too so that's kind of cool um and i know he fished the river bass and tournament trail that i started and was kind of inspired by some of the stuff that i had going on early so now it's great to mention uh, Jordan for sure because he he crushes it and he's actually coming into I mean his own man like he he won the AOI and then now he's kind of like he's getting more and more consistent you know yeah. he's had some events that weren't so good earlier in the year and that's actually the hardest part I'll be honest with you about doing that style your your January February March tournaments March if it's somewhere that's still really cold it's hard to win in moving water very hard yeah. that that time of year. And those the only only tournaments this that he's done not you know to the level I know he would expect himself to be at this year. So look out, man, because that guy's on on a little tear for sure. And the weather's just getting just getting right. So I expect to see him continue to do good. Yeah, no, Jordan Marshall is is another great angler from Tennessee. So you know, props to all of them, man. Anybody that's out there, you know. Just putting in the work is is deserves you know to have their uh, oh, yeah. their name mentioned and recognized whether you're you know whether you're winning cashing checks or just struggling 
just just mm-hmm. being out there and putting yourself out there, I think it's deserves respect. And I don't think anybody should take that away from anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. Drew, I've had you for over an hour and I, and I do appreciate it. I know you're a family man, so I don't want to keep you too long. I kind of wanted to give you a few minutes to shout out any one of your sponsors. I know you have a lot of them. Um, you know, plug in your social media as well as far as and your sure, uh, podcast. Sure, buddy. Uh, yeah, one of these days I'm going to get to do another podcast of my own with, with Ken. It's kind of been, you know, push the curb a little bit because I've been doing so many podcasts after these wins and I'm just like, man, I'm beat. The story's been told. Not that I talk about the wins in, in the tournament so much on our podcast, which is the River Bassin podcast, if you guys want to follow along. But we, we talk a lot about river strategies and, and things like that. And, I mean, hopefully we'll get one here soon. But anyway, yeah, you guys check that out. And then the other thing I will mention is, uh, you know, on every podcast, I'll, you know, I'll try to mention maybe some different sponsors because I'm not going to mention them all. If you follow me on Drew Gregory Fishing, that's your smartest move. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. But I'll say um, a big shout out to Yak Attack, who I'm going to kind of really highlight right now because their new black back came out. It's great. I used it. And the Sholey, the new Sholey kayak that I designed has a ton of Yak Attack components built into it. And uh, man, without those guys and their support, they're actually the ones who John Hipshire was the one that suggested was the first one that really pushed me and said, you need to focus on these tournaments, man, that you're getting, you're doing really good in the few national championships you finished fished in. And that's the only thing I would fish in just that one tournament every year. And then he's like, dude, you got all top tens. I mean, that's not like, there's something to this. You need to like, you know, focus on it more full time. And, uh, and I'm glad that he mentioned that because I was kind of thinking about it. And then he mentioned it and it pushed me over the edge to, to do that. And so big shout out to yak attack, uh, make great products. And then, uh, I've kind of mentioned the bending branches already. Uh, Real tree fishing, AFCO's new this year, so you can see the hat and all that good stuff. They make incredible products. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say, we've talked about it, but the Z-Man baits. I mean, I threw pretty much all Z-Man for, for all these tournaments. We didn't talk about exactly how I caught them, but pretty much, I'd say like eighty percent of the fish I caught that actually were scored, maybe seventy-five percent, were on Z-Man baits. Uh, the rest was on a topwater plug that you know, Z-Man doesn't make, but, um, yeah. So thanks to Z-Man, big, big longtime supporter. And obviously everyone at Crescent Kayaks for all that they do for us. Uh, and, uh, I love their, their, uh, hashtag and our slogan is live in the current hashtag live in the current. So it always reminds me, yeah, to live in the, the fishing current, of course, but also to live in the present this moment, because trust me, man, as I t- talk now, I know that one day this is going to be a, a, a long, you know, memory way in the past. And I'm, I'm just going to, live right now in this moment because this is pretty cool and pretty special to have these three wins so i'm super thankful and blessed to to be here and i don't take it for granted and thank you guys so much for your time and for what you do for our sport got muted there for a second uh thank <laughs> you for taking the time to come up to the podcast and congratulations i mean it, again amazing when nothing should be taken out of it uh you've you found bass three different species on three different lakes and you came out on top on each one of those lakes. I don't know that anybody else out there could do that. I know for a fact, nobody else has ever done it in back to back to back tournaments. So it speaks to itself and your greatness. And we look forward to, you know, what you're doing as long as I'm not, 
in the same tournament that you are, I wish you the best. <laughs> if not, I'll, I'll just follow along and get those bass that you miss. Uh, that's going to be my new strategy. Nah, just kidding. Yeah, man. But hope to see you Congratulations. Soon. Definitely, Thanks, man. Buddy. We got to yeah. meet up. Yeah, that sounds great, man. Well, thank you guys for having me, and uh, y'all have a good one, and hope you enjoy the episode and learn something. No uh, problem, man. And for those out there listening, if you made it this far, again, we thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Go follow Drew on Drew Gregory Fishing on Instagram and all his social media platforms, like you mentioned. If you're going to be on the water, please wear your PFDs. If you're going to have a couple of beers or drink alcohol while you're on the water, just, you know, try to be responsible um, and, you know, make sure you make it home back to your loved ones. Have a great day, everyone, and uh, peace out and tight lines. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.